This is your other brother's podcast. It's like running through an open door. It's like finding what you're looking for. We've been waiting. We won't wait no more. We got a beautiful story. Every morning, on and on. We got a beautiful story. And we've only just begun. The best is yet to come. Welcome home, friends. Switching it up a little bit. What's up, everybody? This is your other brother's podcast, and we are a community navigating faith, homosexuality, and masculinity together. From the Jewel of the Blue Ridge, that's Asheville, North Carolina. My name is Tom, and I'm so glad that you're here. I'm so glad that we're back. Joining me from the City of Oaks, that's Raleigh, North Carolina. It's our other brother, Ryan. What's up, Ryan? Hello. I'm doing great, Tom. Good to see you. Ryan, you've aged so much. No, Ryan, you're ageless. Ryan looks exactly the same from when I first met him years ago. It's the truth. <laughs> Ryan, Thank I'm you. so glad you survived the summer. We're gonna get we're gonna catch up with Ryan. And we're gonna catch up with gosh, let's let's get the rest of the cast in the mix here. From the frozen no, not the frozen tundra. What am I saying? It's the folksy tundra, our other brother Aaron. What's up, Aaron? <laughs> It's been just too long. You forgot my my folksy tundra. I, I forgot which tundra you're from. I have to keep the tundras straight. We have multiple tundras represented here on the Yopcast. So I'm so glad you're back, Aaron. Speaking of ageless, my goodness. Also, <laughs> Thank you. It's great, also great to be just back. like I, the day I met you. And coming to us from God's handprint. God's handprint or the handprint of God? I kind of like the handprint of God. It's a little has a little more gravitas to it. The handprint of God of uh, of Michigan. Where else? It is our other brother Ben. What's up, Ben? Hey, Tom. Great. Ah, glad to be back. A uh, little, You're a little rusty. Glad to be back. <laughs> yeah, apparently you, you couldn't tell that I that I talk for a living. You know. You do. You Absolutely. are a pastor by trade and. You come on the podcast because I guess you like it, and we're glad to have you here. It's so good to be back, you guys. We had a little a little summer vacation, um, which that was like my first question for you guys. Like, I feel like it feels like we're going back to school. We're trying out a new podcasting platform, um, rather than not having seen you for three months, like as would be the case with a lot of classmates. Like, it is such a joy. Part of what we're talking about today um, was how we spent at least one weekend of our summer. And that was at our retreat, which made its brave triumphant return after too long, far too long of us being isolated (laughs) and put into our corners across the country um, because of this pandemic. It was good to see you guys. We're going to talk about the retreat today, and we're going to talk about the highs and lows of this Christian life. We're going to talk about mountains and valleys and um, yeah, not just talk about the retreat, although we could, I think we could talk about the retreat the entire episode. Lots of stories, lots of moments to share. We'll share a few during this recording, but um, our goal today is to zoom out and talk about what do you do when you have those mountaintop moments, um, which is a little cliche if you're in Christian circles, what a mountaintop moment is, but something that just makes you feel more alive than you've ever been, when maybe your faith is more real than it's ever been, um, where you feel a sense of optimism and hope or um, a sense of victory or triumph, and then inevitably you have to 
move on. <laughs> you have to leave that behind and continue on with life, wherever life takes you. So we're going to talk about that today. I'm really excited to just hear some stories. This is a good old just story sharing podcast, which is what we love to do. So really excited to not only get it back in the mix again, but to uh, reminisce, reminisce about the retreat, and then hopefully learn some new stories from these brothers as well. I'm hoping they tell a story that I've never heard before. With Ryan, that might be difficult because you and I have shared a lot of stories together, but we'll see. We'll see what we have. But first, yeah, real quick, just anything exciting happened this summer? I would love to hear any like any trips or any um, <laughs> any exciting summer reads or summer blockbusters. Like what what what's your summer looked like beyond our retreat? I just went to Washington D.C. last weekend with some friends. So that was. A lot of fun, and I rode the train up to D.C. Long-time listeners may remember, I wrote the last time I rode the train, it was up to New York City in 2019, I believe. Um, And this this was a better Amtrak experience, actually. It was about the smoothest Amtrak experience I've ever had. Um, The trains were not late. I got to sit in the cafe car the whole time, and work on crosswords and look out the window at rural Virginia going by road, road bikes around the national mall. You can, you can rent bikes from like, you know, automated racks there. Mm-hmm. Um, looked at the, went to the national gallery of art and had dinner at a live jazz club. So it was a great little oh, trip. Oh my gosh. Did you see, I keep seeing on the, on like, um, the news, I guess, um, all these little COVID flags. Like, did you see we did like, all these little white flags for all the, yeah, all the people we've lost from COVID? Yeah, those are near the uh, George Washington Monument, I believe. And um, and they, there are a lot of them. Um, it's just like a, an ocean of little white flags. Um, and it is a striking sight. Yeah, no, I bet. I didn't know that they were even doing that until fairly recently. I saw, yeah, I just saw images of it. So that must be a powerful sight. Well, look at you taking the train. I went, like, I've never been on a long train ride. That is something I'm surprised I've not done. That is something I need to get on promptly. Thank you for sharing. What about you, Aaron or Ben? Any fun travels this summer or are you just locked in <laughs> like so many others? Marie and Samuel and I went out to Oklahoma to visit uh, Samuel's family out there. So we had kind of a cross-country road trip um, and got to stop in Missouri and see other uh, other blogger Eugene on the way out there. Um, got to visit other friends on the way back and see so, yeah, I just had a, a family vacation and that was lovely. So many name drops there. You really have to be on the inside loop of the Yabaverse to know all of those names. <laughs> so, so, so I think I heard a wife, um, some chosen family, a uh, fellow blogger. I mean, there is a lot of name drops in there. So thank you for sharing <laughs> some of where you've been this summer. As for myself, I spent a couple weeks in June out in California it was my uncle's 60th birthday, so I was out there celebrating that, and then I um, was out there a little bit for work and pleasure as well. Um, and then, yeah, I I took a few trips. I can't remember where else I flew. I flew 
I don't remember, but I just, I've made up for lost time with travel. Um, after a year of COVID being isolated, I've, I've been on a variety of trips for work and for pleasure. Uh, and so far the plane rides have been okay. So hopefully, hopefully things continue to improve gradually. Yeah. Well, very nice. As for me, I traveled to Georgia and got in a car accident. <laughs> so that's the extent of my fun journeys this summer. Um, I'm fine. I escaped unscathed, but I totaled my car and it was just so sad. It was a sad stretch, but such is life. I don't know. I, I survived my whole life without a single car accident. And so then the one that I get in, it's not just like a little scratch in the Walmart parking lot or something. Like that's always how I envisioned this would go. Not like a truck barreling into my side and spiraling me out over a mailbox and airbags going off everywhere. It was very dramatic, but I, I'm fine. So, um, thank you, God. Thank you for the protection this summer for all of us, whether we were traveling by train or by plane or by totaled juke. Thank you for your protection. I'm so glad we're back. We're back in the mix and, um, excited to, yeah, do these podcasts pretty much till the end of the year every week there'll be something coming out whether it's a yob cast or a yob convo cast so we'll keep that going until the end of 2021 which is very depressing to me that it's that i that i'm starting to say those words that we're winding down 2021 i don't know what to do with that information it just feels like we're still in 2019 or should be in 2019 i don't know i'm still processing this crazy this crazy pandemic with everyone else so we're hoping uh, to get closer and closer out of this. But in the meantime, it'll be good to be back into some digital rhythms with you guys again. I'm excited for um, some really great conversations to come in the next few months. You guys, I bet you think we got like untold numbers of voicemails and Apple podcast reviews in our summer hiatus, right? Yes, at least 12. At least well. Um, no, sadly to say, we got zero Apple podcast reviews, which is a great opportunity to ask, like, if you guys haven't rated our show, our two shows, either of our shows, um, we would love your Apple rating review. And here's a fun challenge to put out there, because I think one of the best parts of the Apple review, I mean, yes, the review itself is important, but um, the alias, the pseudonym, the the username that's a that's a big one. And I think what would be fun to put out a challenge to people out there listening is if you haven't taken the time, it doesn't take much time. It could take as little as 30 seconds probably. Um, if you haven't rated reviewed a show, this is an opportunity to come up with a fantastic alias or username for us to read live on the air, on an, ep- on an upcoming episode. Um, and the sky's the limit. Like whatever you choose, I have to say verbatim. I can't just change your name. So... Um, so there's, this is an opportunity for creativity, maybe a little, um, (laughs) maybe a little PG 13, possibly like, I don't know, you guys could take it whatever direction you want, but, um, but the mission right now, it would be awesome if we could hit 150 ratings reviews. That's our challenge. Our challenge out there is to get to 150. So please, if you enjoy our show, or if you don't, if you have some constructive criticism for us, we'd love that too. Shoot us a rating review on Apple. And if you want to call the show, if something that you hear today triggers a story, triggers a question, if you just want to ask the cast something, 
call our number anytime at 706-389-8009. We would love to play your voicemail on the show. It is such a delight to hear from our listeners. And thank you to everyone who's called over the years of doing this. It's been fun to feature your spoken words on our show because we get tired of hearing each other speak constantly. So it's nice to hear from someone out there who's actually listening to what we're saying. I haven't given a shout out to the Yabbers Book Club in a while. You guys, we have a monthly book club. It's fantastic. We've been doing it for, Ryan, did you know this? We've been doing it for a whole year now. 12 successful book clubs. Boy, that time flies, doesn't it? (laughs) Yes, I know. I'm still stuck in 2019 as has been established. Um, We started this book club in October of 2020. Um, And so as of this recording, we've had 12 12 books, 12 book club gatherings that we've had on Zoom. Um, And they've been so fun, so great. It's been awesome to read books relating to faith, sexuality, masculinity, fiction, nonfiction. Um, We've had such a fun little mixture of literature, as they say. And uh, looking forward to next month's book, which is From Wild Man to Wise Man by Richard Rohr. That's what we're reading for the month of October. So if that intrigues you at all, if you like the idea of discussing intellectual things in a very cultured environment, um, check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash your other bros. All the information is over there. And a final announcement, you guys, we just, we're about to talk about our retreat, but there's another gathering soon to be happening, and that is Revoice 2021. And I think... Well, I think I'm going to, I know I'm going to be there. I think a couple of you guys are going to be there too on this episode. I'm seeing nodding faces. Yes, I'll be there. <laughs> Ryan and That's Aaron will be there. Yes, we will miss you, Ben. But um, I just wanted to put this out there. I'm putting this out there on Aaron and Ryan's behalf. I hope they're okay with this. But um, if you're there, if you're at Revoice and you see one of us, say, hey, we would love to, we would love to meet you. I would, I, again, I'm speaking on their behalf. They might want nothing to do with you, but I'm assuming that they would love to meet you too. So feel free to say hey and uh, looking forward to this gathering once again. Yes, you have assumed correctly, Tom. I would love to meet anyone listening. <laughs> Absolutely. Ryan, do you remember this? I hope I hope this isn't going to embarrass the two boys who approached us at the second retreat or the second mm-hmm. revoice conference. Um, but there were two guys on the first night. They came to me first and they said oh my gosh, we've been listening to your podcast. And they're so sweet. They like asked for permission if they could hug me, which for anyone listening, you don't have to ask for permission. I will gladly accept a hug and share and share the hug. It's a, it's a two-way street, right? Um, and so they, they hugged me, they thanked us for the show. And then I introduced them to Ryan who was close by. Um, and that moment, like I would have flown across the country for that, just, just for that. Like the conference itself was great too. Um, lots of great speakers and gatherings, but um, I don't know, just to be words of affirmation, man, those, those are, those are huge for me. So if anyone out there wants to affirm me at Revoice this year, I will gladly take it after the multi years of isolation that we've had from large group gatherings, I will take all the hugs and words of affirmation that I can get. So, so I'm hoping, um, yeah, I'm hoping just for a great, great time here very soon. And before we get to our main episode topic, we have to thank our beloved sponsor for this episode. How else can you get to the mountaintop and back down into the valley without hiking sticks? Or as I looked at today, 
trekking poles. Trekking poles, have you guys seen those things? I used to laugh and scoff because there was a lot of older people who would use these poles and they're just walking on like level ground. And I'm confused, like why are you using these Yeah, yeah, poles? what's the sales pitch here? <laughs> But but after the years I've had with this autoimmune disease and with my joints no longer what they used to be, suddenly the idea of alleviating any amount of pressure on level ground or otherwise with a trekking pole sounds divine. I, I might invest. I might invest if I decide to go back to the Grand Canyon again or something that's otherwise tumultuous. So trekking poles, thank you <laughs> for helping us get to the mountaintop, but then back down back down from the mountaintop. I hope I did them justice by giving them a sales pitch. Alleviate the tension in your knees. With trekking poles, <laughs> alleviate the tension in your soul <laughs> with trekking poles. Trekking poles for the soul. <laughs> trekking poles for the soul. That is what we are. That is essentially what our role is here today. We are the trekking pole for your soul, <laughs> and that is our role. <laughs> Who said we were rusty after a three-month hiatus? Not me. So today we're talking about mountaintops and valleys. And starting with this mountaintop, it's a personal mountaintop for me, are, are these retreats that we've done. We've done three in-person retreats now with our yobbers, our supporters on Patreon, 40-plus guys every single year. And so it's been really special um, to see singles, marrieds, younger, older. It spans the generations coast to coast, um, in a year that isn't marred by COVID. We've had people internationally um, from Canada and the UK come in, come to our retreats as well. So just a really special, special weekends of my life. And I want to talk about our one that we just held. We just had a retreat last month as of this recording. And some blogs are starting to come out. So if you guys are curious for some more inside scoops and perspectives from our retreat, uh, check out our blog at yourotherbrothers.com. You can read um, something I've written, something Aaron's written, um, something Ben's written. We got blogs out the wazoo about the retreat. So I hope you guys will enjoy reading those. But I wanted to just go around real quick. And we don't have a whole lot of time. We don't want to spend the whole episode on the retreat. But it's a snapshot of what could be considered and what is for many. What many people have told me is a mountaintop moment, a, a weekend that was unlike anything else they've ever experienced in their faith. Um, and so I would love to hear real quick, just like, what are some of y'all's favorite moments, some highlights from our last retreat? I think for me, it was just being in such close proximity to so many people I love dearly. And if I, I guess if I have to pick a, a moment around that, it, it was um, Friday evening as people are showing up and um, getting to give people big hugs as they arrive. Um, and, you know, some people I haven't seen in a while, some people I'm meeting for the first time, but I've seen them around, you know, the, the Zooms and Discord a lot, um, or some people that, um, that I'm in touch with pretty regularly, but, um, but getting to, to add another in-person experience to, to our relationship. Yeah, those Fridays are really special because it's quiet, quiet, quiet all day long. And then all of a sudden in a span of 15 minutes, like... <laughs> Cars start pouring in, bodies start coming out, and um, yeah, it just becomes a little overwhelming in a sense that all of a sudden this place that was relatively peaceful and quiet is now teeming, teeming with humans. And it's special, yeah, it's special to, um, this year was particularly special, you mentioned meeting people for the first time, like 
we didn't have a physical retreat last year. We did a digital retreat where I met a lot of these people on a more extensive basis, like um, last year, but, but then to actually meet them in the flesh for the first time to give them a hug and to, and to recognize how much taller or shorter they actually are compared to my perceived height of them. Like it was really special this year to, uh, cause we gained so many, so many new supporters last year and we just weren't able to meet them in a, in a big setting like that. And so, so that made this year's Friday, uh, especially, especially meaningful. For me, it was, um, getting to meet some of the other married guys where we'd connected last year during the digital retreat. And this entire last year, we've been doing uh, monthly zoom meetings together. Um, talking about usually, I guess a little bit of a segment of like, what did we think about the book from book club, but as married guys and throwing things around, but then just, you know, life, uh, praying for one another over the last year. And then finally getting, you know, to see those guys face to face, um, a couple of them for the first time was really, really encouraging. I think for all of us, uh, at least a little bit, partially because sometimes we feel like a minority of a minority. And so there's a little bit of a, a bond there just over being married and having some of those shared experiences that we can talk about with our single brothers, but you know, firsthand account from the others that, uh, experience it as well. So that was encouraging. Yeah. Shout out to all our married guys in our community. Cause you guys are so special. It's, I'm just so grateful. God has given us a good mix of people, like singles, marrieds, um, people in America, people outside America, and I'm I'm hopeful that'll just continue as we grow in numbers. That um, different demographics are filled, and and our community becomes more diverse and more well-rounded. Because I love I love the presence, the spirit um, that our married guys bring to our our wild, raucous single lives. So thank you for. <laughs> Thank you for being a stabilizing presence, Ben, and all the other marrieds out there. I'd say for me, I'd kind of echo what what others have said, that it's just this opportunity to get to see people in the flesh, um, particularly after a longer stretch of not seeing people, um, either because there wasn't a retreat or simply because traveling during COVID wasn't wasn't very easy. Uh, but I, I don't tend to be particularly active on social media, which is not a huge shock to anybody here, uh, not on the Discord either. So the speed dating or just getting to be at the retreat and meet everybody in person is sort of my way to be updating myself on who's new to the groups and who is out there that maybe I should be connecting with that I just have not connected with yet because there's that digital barrier in the way. Mm -hmm. So um, I think I really like getting to remove the digital barrier, even for a weekend and get to meet people face to face. And for me, that's enough then to make that digital barrier worth it. Once I've made that in-person connection. Yeah. Speed dating, speed networking, definitely a polarizing exercise from our gathering, but one we will keep until the end of time, I think. Um, yeah, for me, I couldn't pick just one. I remember one guy mentioning as we were as we were debriefing and reflecting on the weekend. Someone mentioned um, an example or a highlight of the weekend being that you would just be walking around. We had a lot of room at this camp compared to previous location. The previous location that we used, it was a lot more sprawled out, um, so you could have more pockets of people going here, going there, spreading around the camp versus kind of more being centralized where we were a couple years ago. Um, and this guy mentioned that one of his favorite moments was just being somewhere with a bunch of people and then just hearing laughter in the distance. Like you would just hear laughter happening or loud voices somewhere farther away that not in your immediate vicinity. And it was just sense of a sense of camaraderie um, 
dispersed camaraderie that wasn't a thing at our previous location. And so I recognize that too. Like I would be walking about my business and, and I would hear something happening a little bit further away. And it was just such a cool audible experience to, to hear brotherhood happening. Um, whether it was on the volleyball court, we had some intense volleyball. Like it was, it was, it was hardcore. <laughs> it was hardcore. Um, we had some board games, board game, a palooza happening. We had some guys, musical guys gathering around for a little worship jam, which was special. Um, this place had a little putt putt course, a little mini golf course. That was kind of cool. It was, it was a great experience just on a recreational basis of just being able to truly, I mean, it's called a retreat to truly get away from the usual, the the usual of our lives, the noise, the technology, and just to to be with each other, especially post COVID. Like I was anticipating, I've been anticipating this weekend along with so many others for quite a long time, many, many months. And so for it to finally happen, um, not that we're on the other side of COVID by any means, but still to, to finally be able to have an opportunity to, to have 40 of us in a room together was very, very special. And we tried a few new things. Some highlights for me is um, we really wanted this retreat to be more intentional. I think for me personally, that was a challenge to make this retreat um, as spiritually intentional as possible. And how can we, um, yeah, I don't know. Risky sounds like a, a dramatic word, but I love I love being dramatic. Like some risky exercises, we, we invited people to step up for prayer the first night. And it was very special um, to see people who had just literally met each other three hours ago, five hours ago, um, stepping forward vulnerably asking for prayer over certain things in their lives. And and then other brothers also vulnerably, boldly stepping forward and praying for these guys that they just met. Maybe they've only seen on a discord posting, or maybe they just have never, like, they don't even know a thing about this person in front of them. And it was really cool to, to witness that and to see people stepping into that um, as a brand new thing that we've never done at a previous, at a previous retreat. And then and then also just being able to sort of begin the process of debriefing the retreat during one of our last functions together and just having an affirmation circle where people could point out their favorite moments or even affirm somebody in the circle. And that was really special because I, I truthfully didn't know if people would, um, if they would go for it or if they would want to, if that would be something they'd be comfortable doing. And so I was thrilled for anyone that was there that's listening, like your, your boldness you know, one person times 40, like it added up quickly. Like it was awesome to see people just step into this little thing called the Yabbers Retreat that most of them hadn't been to before. So it was a special time um, to try some new things this year in a new location and um, and yeah, just practice, practice discipleship, practice encouragement um, and practice just uh, a sense of kinship that I don't think we've had before. Like it was really, um, every year has been special, but it just feels like the longer we're together and the longer we know each other, and the longer this thing keeps going, it just becomes um, like all of a sudden a foundation is, has been laid like three retreats now over the last four years, three years. Like it's been special to see um, all these moments collect and inside jokes developing. And I don't know, it's just I'm so happy and so overjoyed from that weekend. Um, it was yeah, it was really special, which makes us transition now to the the valley, the road away from the retreat, which I'm sure there are guys out there maybe still struggling from the sense of togetherness, to be open, to be free, to just be comfortable around the people that are there. And then to go back, to go back to a sense of some are closeted, some have not revealed their sexuality to anyone back home. Um, 
or just in general, whether they're open or not, there's not a sense of closeness or a sense of authenticity maybe that they experience at a weekend like like ours. And so I'm curious how you guys have managed. I know, Ben, this was your first retreat. So I'm, I'm tempted to go to you first because um, old Aaron, Ryan, and I, we go back three retreats now. We're one of the handful of people who have been to all three of these things. But um, this was your first retreat, Ben. And so I'm curious how your valley, how your road away from the retreat has treated you now that it's been about a month or so, I would say. Transitioning back into normal everyday life, kind of the, I don't know, the emotional high coming out of the retreat, connecting with so many guys of you know shared background and experience, and then uh, jumping back into life, jumping back into to ministry and yeah, missing, missing the guys, missing some of the conversations there. Um, kind of hard. I also got to have a little bit of a gradual step down, got to spend a couple of days with Ryan before actually heading back home. But um, getting to process post-retreat with, with a few friends here and just kind of asking the question, how do we, how do we bring experiences like this into the church? And so I guess one of the challenges for me, a little bit of sadness in saying, this is great. We should continue to have things like this. I mean, even if the church were were more aware and did, you know, better in walking with sexual minorities, there would still need to be a space for, you know, getting together with other people that are like us. But I think for me, some of the challenges coming back to a church where I'm not out, uh, where a couple people know my story, but at the moment, still not really feeling like this is the right time or that this is a safe a safe space for me to be able to to come out, there's there's some challenge, there's some sadness with going, how do I equip my church to be able to have these conversations and recognizing that I'm not alone in that, that a lot of guys uh, went home to spaces where they're not out, where they're not known among their their family, their friends, their, their churches. So yeah, that being kind of a bittersweet kind of thing, saying, thank you, God, that I have this space. Thank you, God, that I have this community but also that kind of, I'd say, longing to see that be part of everyday life in the church as well. Yeah, you've nailed so, like attention that I feel too. Like I like having our special little separate thing. Like having that once a year is has been extremely meaningful for me. But would I like to see more of that type of gathering happen? Yeah, local churches. Um, and just day-to-day life in general, like, yeah, I, I would love more authenticity, more um, more types of gatherings like that. But but I also want the super special feeling of us doing our own thing too. So it's a little bit of both. I feel I feel that uh, that tension, if that's the right word, of uh, of gratefulness, but then wanting wanting something more as well. Well, one of the things I say in this this next blog I have coming out is one of the reasons why we need to have spaces like the Arbor's Retreat is because the church doesn't understand why we need to have spaces like the Albers Retreat. Ooh, if Think that doesn't that tease you. <laughs> yeah. Depending <laughs> on when this episode comes out on that blog, it might already be out there. And if it is, we will make sure it's linked. All the retreat blogs that have come out so far will be linked in the episode. So check it out if it exists. And if it doesn't, stay tuned. It should exist soon. <laughs> um, Ryan, Aaron, what about you guys? What were some... Or was it challenging at all? Did you did you guys just jump right back into life um, 
and everything was fine? Or was it, was there anything challenging about, yeah, coming back from the retreat? Like Ben mentioned, he came back with me to Raleigh after the retreat. So I had sort of a, 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 a gradual landing. <laughs> uh, and so that was nice. Um, you know, I, I was so tired and exhausted coming back from the retreat, but somehow Ben and I wound up staying up to like midnight, one o'clock every night anyway, just having fun. Um, and yeah, I think, I think this time around it wasn't, uh, it wasn't very difficult coming back. Um, I think because I didn't really fear that I wouldn't see it again. Like it wouldn't happen again. Like there was a sense of, well, this is great. I can't wait for the next time. Um, and, uh, so I think having that perspective helped a lot. That's cool that you can think that because yeah, after the first one, it was, I was hopeful we would do it again, but I don't know. It was, it wasn't like locked in versus now, like, like Lord, Lord, um, protect me. But like, if I had passed in that car crash that I had earlier, there's not a doubt in my mind that you guys would pick up the mantle. Someone would do it. Someone would have to put together our next retreat, right? Among all the other things that would have to happen. But, but I, I'm confident that there is enough support in this community. We're about to get to something I'll share in a little bit, but I just feel super supported by you guys and by the other leaders in our community. And I feel, yeah, like there will be another one, one way or another come pandemic or not. Pandemic, car crashes, or what have you. Like there will be another Yabbers retreat, and that's yeah. Like like you said, Ryan. I think that's something that's really exciting to think about and consider. Yeah, I think for me, I can relate to what Ben said. There's sort of the because of how good it is being at the retreat. It makes you realize like the church is not doing the same thing, and it's a little bit sad to me that I can show up at a Yabbers retreat. And in a short span of just a weekend, feel familyed to these other guys at Yab and feel like I have a home there and I'm known and I'm seen and I'm understood and I'm loved. Even though, like I talk about in my blog, like these are these are very different guys from all over the place who I may or may not be friends with in any meaningful sense if I were just to meet them in passing. Um, and it's sad to me that I don't I don't feel that from the church. I don't get that sense of being familyed, even in a church that I've been to for years and years and years and might know people in like they're, they're missing some secret ingredient that causes this familying to happen um, in a tangible sense. That being said, generally I've always come off of the retreats feeling pretty good. I think I've gone into them aware of the possibility of a mountaintop experience and therefore a subsequent valley, like tumbling off the mountaintop. But um, this year in particular, I went from the retreat straight back into a really crazy work week. And so my processing time was cut to basically zero. I just had to be right back in it. <laughs> so you, but even you, still haven't, retreat, you still haven't yeah, processed this retreat. You're still, this is your chance I'm to still process. working on it. This is, and I'm an external processor. So what mm. you're hearing here is like live action Aaron's thoughts being developed, uh, which is pretty much always true on these <laughs> podcasts. But um, I, I do think with the first retreat, I came off of it feeling better than worse because I was just so excited I don't know. There's something about Yob. Like I said earlier, I don't necessarily click digitally. So I didn't feel like I was a part of Yob until I went on that retreat. And then when I left that retreat, I came out going, oh, I'm actually a part of this community now. And it meant something new for me. And so taking that, those connections that I had made, 
Um, and having those going forward, I think, kind of removed the blow of coming off of this amazing weekend. Yeah. Yeah, I think for me, the biggest challenge for all three of these retreats has being present. Um, <laughs> Kevin, I'm going to shout out to Kevin Zimmerman because he reminded me of a moment from our... I can't remember if it was the first retreat. I think it was the second retreat. But I have this little joke, which is my little dark joke of like whenever I enter into something that I just know is going to be amazing, I already forecast it being over. Like I And I vocalize that sometimes. I've gotten better over the years of just keeping my dark thoughts to myself. But, but I remember the second retreat. It was like the first night... <laughs> And I told Kevin Zimmerman, Kevin, it's already over. It's it's about to end. And even though it was just starting, and he was like, you can say that the second night, but not the first night. And so I I I struggle with being present in my day-to-day life. And so when I'm at a moment like that, when I know it's going to be a great weekend, like even if things go wrong, quote unquote, like it's still going to be a really awesome weekend. And, um, and it can be hard. It can be hard to stay where I am, whether it's Friday night, Saturday night, or what have you, and not forecast already being at Sunday night or being on Monday with the work week starting again or whatever. So um, that's been my biggest challenge for all of those. And for in general, mountaintop experiences throughout my life, it's just being able to appreciate the moment and the fact that it is about to end, like that there's kind of a sweet, like a sweet sadness about it. Like I remember uh, when I was living in Charlotte for a year, I, I came across some street art that said, nothing lasts, that's the beauty. And I wanted to punch the wall when I saw it. Cause it made me angry. I was like, no, that's not the beauty. That's the tragedy is that something that you want to last doesn't. Um, but then when I look back at these retreats, would I look back on them with the same sparkle? If we were just still there now, if we were still living at that camp, if we just invaded and just took over that camp and we were all living there, how would day-to-day life look? How would we handle conflicts? How would we, not that conflicts can't happen on a two day weekend, but, um, but I don't know. There's a sense of just appreciating it. The fact that they are short weekends, they go fast. There's a beauty in that, in that we were able to pack in so much in a span of 48 hours, 72 hours. Um, and to be able to then reminisce and talk about it and share in that and hopefully bring some of that back with us to, to the Valley, quote unquote. Um, I'm curious in our remaining time, you guys, I would love to hear some of your other highs and lows. Like what are some moments, whether they're weekends, retreats, um, missions trips, or I don't know, these typical quote unquote mountaintop experiences. I'm curious what comes to mind when you hear that and think about the course of your life, 20, whether it's 20 some years or 30 some years for some of us in the room. Um, yeah, I would love to just hear what those moments are. And then, yeah, what life after those, those moments were, how did you, how did you handle that from a spiritual perspective, um, going away from that, whatever that was? think for me in the retreat kind of reminded me of this. Um, so I had told Marie about my sexuality before we got married, but we didn't revisit that topic again for six years. And when I opened that box back up, there was some trepidation, some fear, and just asking, you know, how do I, how do I navigate this? How do I, how do I process this? And the seminary that I was going to at the time, I found out actually had a uh, support group for sexual minorities. And so going there for the first time and going, what's this going to be like? What are these people going to be like? And getting to hear other people's stories, um, you know, their their own journeys growing up in conservative uh, churches or not so conservative churches, but that that feeling of, you know, regardless of some of the nuances um, to the stories, 
so much shared background and that feeling of, of me too, that when I was in this room, I wasn't the other, I wasn't, you know, the odd one out. Um, and for those of you that, you know, don't know, someday the pseudonym will go away. Ben Rutkowski is a pseudonym. Um, that that's where I met Ben, the guy whose whose name you know the Ben comes from. The three most important men in my life, uh, Benjamin, Michael Rutkowski. So so I met my friend Ben there, and he walked me through what the journey had looked like for him. He was years down the line in his processing, and so kind of this mountaintop experience of finding a group, but then more than that, finding a person who took the time to like, for lack of a better term, mentor me and say. It might not be exactly like this for you, but here's what it's been like for me. And I'm here to answer any questions. I'm here to, you know, to pray with you, to encourage you. Um, and he stepped into my wife, my life and Marie's life and uh, became friends to both of us. So call it a mountaintop and also call it a plateau for a while because we just got to stay there and it was awesome. And so then going into the retreat and being able to share with some other guys as well that for some of them, this was their first time processing storyline stuff. This was, you know, the first time they'd been able to step into a room with a bunch of other sexual minorities and getting to pass the baton in some ways and getting to see their excitement as they opened up was awesome. Yeah, we, we keep circling back to the retreat. I feel like that's what's going to happen this whole episode. But, but yeah, seeing people in an environment that they've never been before and just seeing them they were awesome. I mean, people just stepped into it. I'm like, I mean, I'm sure there are anxieties floating around and people who didn't know how much to share, how much to jump in. But from my, what I saw, the vantage point that I had, like it was really special to just see people jumping into this and hopefully feeling safe along the whole the whole way to be able to share whatever they, they wanted to and to experience it to whatever experience they they could. So yeah, that was, that was really special. So yeah, in terms of in terms of mountaintop experiences, you know, finding Ben and and finding other people as well to be able to you know connect with and go, I'm not alone here, and you know I've got all these these awesome people to be able to connect with and ask questions of, um, pour into and be poured into by them. Um, kind of kind of the valley, even you know some of the fallout in the you know the last year, and even I mean even since the retreat. Um, has been some of the people that were with me on this journey from a from a side B perspective are, are no longer um, no longer walking that path. Uh, you know they've made a theological shift, um, and in some instances, you know there's this question for them like, do they even still still believe in God for for some of them as they've as yeah as they've walked away. So wrestling with that and going again how do we do this better in the church? How do we walk with people better? How do we, how do we love and be family to one another? Um, we can't take the place of God, but we can be the hands and feet of Christ in people's lives. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Cause I know that's a story that is, I mean, statistically, it's just going to be increasingly common that we, people who are connected with other guys in the, in the Yaba verse or, at when you meet people at Revoice or if there's other side B circles out there, um, inevitably over the years, people will change their beliefs. And what do we do with that? How do we, how do we stay in friendship with them? Is it better to not be in friendship in certain cases? Like, what does that look like? And how do we, how do we move forward? And I think that's an, that's, cause that's a story that's happened in my life. And there's, there's uh, an exercise we do at the retreat called step in the circle where 
we put out various scenarios that if you feel that they apply to you, if you're comfortable stepping in, step in the circle, if this applies to you. And um, something we've asked the last couple of years is what have you, have you had friends who were walking this side B life with you um, and they no longer are, whether they've changed to an affirming theology or they've abandoned faith altogether. And um, I don't know the numbers of people that stepped in, but I know more people stepped in this year compared to two years ago. And so that's, I feel like that's, um, that's a conversation that I would love to have. That's a topic I would love to explore more someday, but it's also one that brings me a lot of personal trepidation as well, because I don't know, there's no easy answers. Um, at least from, from my messy explosive heart. So I don't know how to, how to tie a bow on, on those, on those stories, but it would be great to, to enter into the, into that topic with, with you or anyone else about, um, about that. Cause I feel like that's something that's inevitably just going to become a more common story for guys in our community as they develop friendships and bonds with guys. And then as those bonds change, as all relationships do on some, some level. For sure. And, you know, I think to that end, I mean, having, having that conversation, because I mean, there are people in our own group that have for a time stepped away, you know, made a theological shift and, you know, they've also turned around and they've, they've come back later as well. So yeah, that's another story too. That's right. They have indeed. What about you, Ryan? Story time with Ryan. Yeah. I've been thinking about how I experience these mountaintops. Um, and I think part of my personality is just that I don't, um, I don't get sort of, I, I don't really find myself on such high heights as it sounds like other people do. Um, And consequently, I don't think I sink to such low lows usually, but there's an exception to that, which I'm about to talk about. Um, But but part of me wonders if it's a little bit of, uh, I don't want to say cynicism, but sort of learned learned self-protection of, I'm not going to let my emotions get away from me because uh if i if i let my emotions get away from me on the on the happy side of things they'll also get away from me on the sad side of things when it's when it's over um so for for better or for worse i think i feel a little more um even keel usually so i i will say revoice in 2019 was a very it was a grand experience. It was wonderful. I loved the connections I made there, the time I spent with friends there. Coming back from that in the following weeks, I got really depressed and I sank into probably the worst depression of my adult life. And I wound up um, getting on medication um, for the first time for, uh, for, for depression. And and I kind of thought a lot about like, why, why right now, why after revoice, I was kind of trying to figure out what, what was it about revoice that, that did this, or was it other circumstances, other people, other relationships, other things going on in my life? Um, and, and I guess it was certainly, certainly a combination. Um, but that took a long time to recover from. Um, and, and yeah, I don't want to say it was all revoice, but I think, I think all of the, um, 
all of the emotional and, and relational expenditure over revoice, uh, I think pushed me into probably an unhealthy place. Um, and, and I've been hesitating to, to, to tell that story about revoice because I don't, you know, revoice has been a controversial thing and I didn't want to tell my, you know, my counselor, because I'm afraid, I'm afraid they'd be like, oh, well, you shouldn't go next time, you know, like, or I'm, I'm afraid to tell that story on, online in public because all the revoice detractors are going to be like, see, it's actually spiritually dark and evil and, uh, and, and people shouldn't go. So, yeah. Yeah. I laugh, but it's sardonic laughter because I, I totally get that. I totally hear what you're saying. Thank you for sharing that. I mean, that's super meaningful. I'm sure people can relate with whether it's coming off the Yabra's retreat or whether it was coming off of revoice um, or both for guys in our community who have gone to both. Like I'm sure there are guys out there who appreciate your sharing that because, um, cause it can be such a shift to go from that environment to back to life again. So thank you for Thank you for sharing that. It means a lot to uh, just have your honesty as well, as always. So my season of high and low was kind of a roller coaster. It was like one day I'm at the mountaintop, the next day I'm down in the valley. Um, and it kind of persisted that way for, for some time. Um, for me, that was during college when I was finally going through the process of coming out. And I... You know, I talk about this in some of my blogs, but I went into college with the expectation that my orientation would change. You know, I figured at some point I'd become a good enough Christian that I would just become straight. Um, And when I found that not happening, despite having a lot of other good fruits of the spirit in my life, I really wrestled with that. And I I heard a testimony from uh, Christopher Yuan, who some of you might be familiar with. And I remember at the end of that, it was great, great story, very fascinating. I remember at the end, he didn't really talk about whether or not he was straight now. And that was the first story I heard of somebody when I looked into it more, where he was, you know, he doesn't speak very, very plainly on that, but it appeared that he was still wrestling with the attractions, even though he kind of stepped away from what he would have called his, his gay lifestyle at that point. Um, and that was difficult for me to palette this idea that, okay, this might be a long-term journey. And that really spurred off from my own uh, processing and from God kind of nudging me forward this, this idea that, okay, this, this is not just an issue that I can sweep under the rug and leave untalked about uh, until it goes away because it may not go away. And that kicked off coming out. And that was really difficult for me. I was very resistant to it. God had to speak very plainly. Um, to me through a lot of sermons, a lot of quiet devotional time, um, a lot of spiritual attack and, you know, prophecy and dreams and things. It was, it was a lot. Uh, but I think what was so beautiful about that was, especially looking back, there have been possibly no other times in my life that God has interceded so directly and tried to speak so clearly to me as when he was calling me to come out. And I think, that was really beautiful to, even though it felt like a very difficult call, uh, and it was difficult, in fact, to actually go through the process and the journey of coming out. But it was beautiful to get to experience God not only nudge me forward, but then drag me forward, kicking and screaming. And, you know, but but also make these promises that this is this is for your good. 
and this will work out and you'll make it you'll make it through to the other side alive of this and in fact you know this is being done for your good and for my glory not because i like watching you suffer um and getting to get to the other side and see that like through that process feeling the pain feeling the agony of having to actually be so vulnerable and share um but then through that process feeling god's healing you know, I, I kind of felt this promise that God was going to heal me through coming out. And at various points, I wondered, okay, he's going to make me straight if I come out. So I guess God will make me go through that, that hoop before I come out. Um, but, you know, what I found was he healed me of a lot of, um, of shame and, you know, being unable to love myself, wearing this mask and using that mask to get love from others and never being loved myself. Um and so I know that it doesn't have like a clear, I went up this mountain and hit the peak and then tumbled off the other side, but it was sort of just like this constant teeter tottering and rolling down the, the mountain, feeling beat up, bruised, and just super depressed for a little period. And then God sort of picking me up and friends coming around me and dusting me off and saying, okay, keep moving forward and finding that as I continued forward on obedience, um, there was another mountain waiting and, uh, with that mountain came another valley, but so it goes, you know, we continue to find more of those mountaintops um, through the valleys as we get to the other side. And I think that's what was really beautiful from that experience for me. You guys are so good at taking this image of the mountain and the valley and doing me- making metaphors and images come from that. Thank you for the poetry of that. <laughs> That example, Aaron. Yeah, I love that. So your example is very like sexuality focused. And and I think my example that I'm going to share is very more on the masculinity side focused because my whole life I've struggled with the sense of masculinity that I'm worthy enough to fit in with a group of men, whatever they look like. Um, and so for me, whenever I think about mountaintop moments, um, I had a spurt in my young 20s, mid 20s where I was working in all these summer camps, like every year for three years straight, I was working at summer camps and it was my little, my little getaway from tutoring fall and spring. I did these summer camps to fill, to fill my days and to, to make my budgets. And so, um, in 2012, I worked at a a boys camp here in North Carolina. And to this day, I have no idea what in the world got me there other than the Lord. Like I truly believe the Holy Spirit led me to that place in a very tangible sense because it makes no sense looking back why on earth I would have even applied for this job. I was living in California at the time. So it was thousands of miles away. And I don't know, I checked out their website and got a gut feeling and I followed it. And that's essentially what took me to those camp gates, um, the summer of 2012. And when I got there, like the floor fell out from under me because all of a sudden I looked around and saw a hundred dudes who looked nothing like me, sounded nothing like me, were very straight in a very just um, <laughs> a simplistic sense of the word. But just it was a very foreign environment because most of these guys were four or five years younger than me, still in college, um, kind of had a frat boy vibe for the most part. Um, there are some exceptions, as, as I would learn over time. But that first introduction into this camp was very jarring and very disorienting. And I felt very isolated. I knew nobody. A lot of these guys have either been working there for years or, or came with people from their college. And so there was a a sense of like clicks in the group that I was not a part of. Um, 
I say all this to say because that summer wound up being one of the most meaningful summers of my life. I had to survive those first couple of weeks of isolation and not knowing anybody and not knowing how this world and this universe worked. But um, once that, once I started figuring it out, once I survived this endless training period, and once the first crop of kids got there, once we had cabins assigned, once the summer, like the actual summer was underway, um, I found myself just loving the rhythm of that thing, of that summer, of that place, because there was a set time to wake up every morning. There was, you know, you eat at this time, you go to this activity, you do this worship, you do this. It's a snapshot of our retreat because our retreat is pretty structured too. Um, and for me as a person who I think generally appreciates more structure than less, um, I think it was just awesome to have three months of my life that were super regimented and super clear about what we were doing. Um, and the purpose of it too, of, of, of helping these boys, these teenage boys have the summer of their lives and being able to have hard conversations with them if they had questions like that. Um, and then to be able to enjoy that with fellow counselors, fellow staff, um, was also very special for me because up until that summer, I had never been in a all male environment like that. Like I can't think of a time in my life where I had ever been just constantly surrounded by men. I hardly, like I didn't have the college dorm experience. I didn't have men's groups at church or anything. And so this was really my first time ever just being surrounded, <laughs> surrounded by men for a prolonged period of time. And it was extremely jarring and terrifying. I almost left. I almost quit in those first couple of weeks, but but then I survived it and started thriving in it to be constantly surrounded by men who are all there for the same reason. I mean, we're all there for a paycheck to some degree, but way more than that. Like we're there to, um, yeah, to bless the the new generation that's in our midst and to, and to support one another along the way too. Like I'll never forget moments of just um, like at the close of each session, like wrapping our arms around everyone's shoulders and singing it as well to close out that session um, it just stands out to me as just very meaningful. And, and I remember after surviving that summer and driving to my parents' house, cause that's where I went after the summer was over. I drove to my parents' house a couple hours away to figure out what came next. Like that drive still remains the hardest drive I think of my life. Cause I literally just went through this. It felt like I just survived this wormhole where I, I transplanted to a whole nother universe of men and I felt affirmed, more affirmed in my masculinity than I'd ever felt. And all of a sudden now I was I was leaving the gates that I was tempted to leave in those first couple of weeks. Like I, I didn't think I could do it. I didn't think I could handle it. Um, extremely overwhelmed in those first couple of weeks. And then after surviving the summer, realizing I didn't just survive, but I actually thrived and that I actually was already in mourning. Like I was in mourning as soon as I was a car length outside of the gates, I was already in mourning that this experience was over. And and how do I make sense of this new terrain? Because that's what it felt like. It felt like I was on Mars or something and I had to figure out where, okay, where's the next colony? Or like, how do I get to the next place? Or what's the next checkpoint? Because I have no idea how to walk away from this summer. And, um, and to an extent, I mean, this was almost 10 years ago. To an extent, I almost feel like I never have. Like, I've never been in an environment quite like that. Um, it came out years later that, like, when my story became more public, because at the time my story wasn't public, um, but I wrote a book the following year. And then, you know, Yob started a couple years after that. And it's been very, it's been a very cool feeling in the years since that summer for guys that I worked with to privately message me and be like, oh, yeah, I'm, 
I'm gay too. I'm attracted to men too. And I had no concept of that. In my little bubble at the time, I assumed that everyone there was a frat straight, like a straight frat boy who would want nothing to do with me, wouldn't know what to do with me. And and what I've come to learn now, like a decade later, is uh, is there were a mix of all of us. There was a mix of all types of boys, <laughs> straight or otherwise, at that camp, working at that camp that year. And and that's and that's what made it so special is that it was it was it was deceivingly diverse is what i would say and so um i'm grateful for that experience because that's that is a snapshot um i'm going to give another shout out to kevin zimmerman because why not kevin zimmerman is great and we love kevin zimmerman but kevin and i will go on nice long sad nostalgic hopeful emotionally laden um visions and conversations about camp because camp is a very special part of his story too and um, I never really got to go to camp as a kid, but to be able to work at that one in particular was very special for me. And um, when I think about like, how do we take this retreat? How do we take that mountaintop experience and take that into our real lives? I think about the same thing with camp, like the magic of camp, of getting away um, from the usual, surrounding yourself with people that you don't usually see on a regular basis. How can we take that same magic or that same, I don't know, that same energy, the spiritual energy that's there like surely it just doesn't exist there. Surely it exists outside of those gates too, right? But how how do we like I'm still trying to figure that out. Like how do we channel that energy? Because there there is still a lot of me that wants to go back, like wants to go backward, wants to go back to camp or back to Yabra's retreats of of old. But that's not the way life goes. We don't go backward. <laughs> so I don't know. Any closing thoughts about that? Like what are are there any practical ways that you guys have seen? that you've taken parts of those highs, parts of those mountaintops and, and transplanted those into the present, into the future. I think it's, it's looking for the opportunities, um, for, for the people who are in situations for them currently that, you know, that I've been in, in the past, being able to step into those and being able to speak words of life. Um, Asking God for for opportunities, um, yeah. I mean, as I said, I'm not out to my church, but I feel like every once in a while, God will give you know a piece of somebody else's story where you know I feel like I'm supposed to disclose part of my own that ends up being you know like a bridge to be able to connect with them and let them know. It's okay to talk about the heart stuff. It's okay to talk about the hard stuff. And yeah, the, those mountains, those valleys, whether it's, you know, yay, I'm completely loved and accepted and I've got the space or, oh, there are some people that aren't on this journey with me anymore. That those pieces, both of them end up being able to be synthesized into this new space where my freedom and sharing, you know, means that this other person has the the freedom to share, the freedom that even if it's not the exact same thing, um, they feel seen because they now have a safe space to be able to talk about what they're going through. So yeah, at least that's that's kind of what it's been for me, looking for those opportunities, praying for those opportunities, um, and sometimes sharing and having it not go well. And that freedom to be able to, you know, ask for and, and receive some grace as well in those. I, that's good, Ben. Um, I hate to, I hate to offer what 
it's probably going to sound a little bit like a wet blanket answer, but um, but I do kind of worry that framing framing these experiences, these trips like this, like mountaintops versus the rest of my life is the valley, um, maybe uh, sets us up for a disappointment, um, and. And, and it makes it really easy, really tempting to be ungrateful for our everyday lives. I think that as I've as I've learned to love my everyday life uh, a bit better, um, learned to love the the quietness and the solitude of my house, and learned to actually sort of savor and enjoy the anticipation of seeing the next time I get to see friends. Um, the the easier it is to come back from the the retreats and the revoices and the vacations. But I do also feel feel that that answer I, I do put forth sort of intention with um with the hope and realization that these uh these time these sweet times of fellowship and connection and uh belonging are the natural state where we belong. They are what that that's a closer image of what I think uh, life will look like in the new creation when we're together in a perfect community. Um, and, and so I don't want to, um, <clears throat> you know, I, I, I want to be able to be thankful for my everyday life, but I also don't want to sort of throw away the the hope um, that that these times together uh, point me towards. Yeah, that's such a balanced approach. <laughs> right. Ryan's very even keel and we appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. I think learning to see the opportunities in our everyday lives. I think for me, I get into this tailspin of just wanting to go backward and wanting to be in the past that I'm not I'm not even necessarily open and asking for those opportunities. Like how can this life look more like camp or look more like the Yabra's retreat versus just missing it so much and just in sackcloth and mourning of it's being over. And I think I personally need to do a better job of um, if nothing else, just asking the Lord, like, God, how can, how can whatever clicked at those retreats or, or at camp or elsewhere, like, yeah, how can I bring that to, today to to the jewel of the blue ridge how can i bring that to where i am in this season of life um i don't yeah and i just don't i don't ask god enough for that and so i feel i definitely feel a sense of conviction to uh to be more bold i guess in my prayer life about um personal reflection i am realizing that i am incredibly unnostalgic as a person like that's just part of you know, it sounds like Tom. Part of your personality is that you're just very nostalgic naturally, mm. but to me, it's such an alien emotion. Like I don't look back with nostalgia on my childhood. I never really look back at pictures that I take on trips. Um, I never. I, I think back on mm. a lot of things, and I'm like, oh, that that was cool, but I'm kind of glad it's over. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, I am a four, and the typical four. There's like, I'm not, I'm not going to go in, onto this side tangent, but I know fours live in the past. And if you look at different type, different Enneagram types are more resonant toward the past, present or future. And so I, uh, I will raise my hand, not loud and proud, but it's kind of more of a sad, sad and bad, like that I, I live in the past. I do. I think about the past all the time, how it was better 
back then. Um, and so I feel um, that's a, that's definitely a point of growth for me is when I can get out of the past and in the present. Um, that's, again, I mentioned that during the retreat. It all comes for full circle of the retreat. I mentioned one already believing the retreat is over when it's just starting. Um, that's That's something that I need to... Well, I am. I'm more self-aware of it now than ever, but it's it's a challenge for sure. This idea that, yeah, you know, to, to Ryan's point, there isn't necessarily always, you know, like mountains and valleys. Um, one of the things that has gotten talked about in, you know, pastors' conferences and circles is we we talk about this idea of growth in Christ. And over time, your your spirituality is supposed to be like this, this upward curve where you're growing in sanctification and growing in your walk with Christ. But in reality, what it looks like and what we see, you know, mirrored in scripture as well, what we have of people's lives is more like their walk with God looks something like, like this. And it's not necessarily always distinct mountains or valleys or highs or lows. It's this multifaceted. There are some areas where it feels like we're we're thriving, we're striving, we're doing well. And others where it's like, you know, despite striving, despite, you know, trying to yield, um, it, it stays low for a while and there's there's back and forth. Um, and that's relationship with God, that's relationship with other people in the church. And so I think, you know, maybe to bounce off of Ryan's idea there, it's navigating those those tension points where sometimes things feel great and sometimes they don't. We're recognizing that I'll go ahead and I'll use the trifers. If he's God in the mountains, he's also God in the valleys. Hallelujah. <laughs> um, but again, learning to recognize that God is God and he's sovereign and he's there regardless of what we're feeling moment to moment. And if there's nothing else that's consistent, he's consistent. Hmm. And that is a huge comfort when it feels like lots of things are falling apart. Yeah. Ben, is that what you sound like on Sunday? Was that a little teaser? I've never listened to yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. This is actually Sunday. a voice alteration. What what you hear here is me turning off the voice filter. This is what I actually sound like most of the time. Hallelujah. So you're using yeah. you're using an alias, Ben Rakowski, and you're using a voice filter. You are taking every precaution. Very nice. Um, in my experience, perspective is everything in our faith. So it's a lot of being able to zoom out a little bit and look at your life over a longer term narrative instead of in any given moment. Um, and I think partly it's expectations. When you go into a mountaintop experience, if you expect it to last forever, you are setting yourself up for failure. I mean, that's most of our lives is mundane. It's somewhere in the middle of heading between a valley and a mountain top and kind of being somewhat neutral. And um, I think when you look back over the course of your life, and this is, you know, one of the benefits of being a Christian for a long time is that you have a long history of relationship with Christ and with God and the Holy Spirit working in your life. And you can start to look at how you've made it through the previous mountaintops, how you've made it through previous valleys, and how God has been faithful to continue to carry you on to the next thing. Um and I think that's a little bit what scripture is to us as Christians, is giving us this perspective of how God works in lives and that, you know, we have this compilation of all these beautiful stories and these huge, important moments by our heroes of the faith and things like that. But for most of us, we're probably just the Israelites fumbling along, 
faithful to God one day, forgetting what he just miraculously did for us and saved us from and denying him the next. And that's okay. I mean, it is this gradual upward trajectory of sanctification, but it's, I think God has an expectation that a lot of our life is going to be mundane. And sometimes I think we get stuck in this feeling that if we're not constantly riding a mountaintop, then we're not walking with God and we're not fulfilling the potential that he has for us. Um, yeah, what, what a pastor I really love, Matt Chandler, he does a sermon where he just preaches on this whole idea of, you know, you're not David. The lay people in the audience, you're not David. We all have some David characteristics. I mean, David is there for us as individual Christians. Fine, sure, great. But, you know, we're not out there destroying Goliath. Like Jesus is David. And we're just the scared Israelites standing on the sidelines, thankful that Jesus stepped in to save us. Um, and that doesn't sound as exciting or, you know, full of glamour and fame and wondrous, you know, joyous praise. But it, it's beautiful and it's true. And I think that it it allows us to appreciate our faith with Christ for what it really is and what it should be. God, give us hills to climb and strength to climb them. This little prayer is the last thing you see when you leave the gates of Camp Ridgecrest, and that prayer has been following me ever since I left the Blue Ridge a decade ago, and now that I've returned. Ever since that summer in particular, I've always wanted another hill to climb, as hard as it is, as masochistic as that sounds. A hill to climb, a, a mountain to conquer, goals, tangible things to achieve and cross off my proverbial to-do list, self-awareness and self-growth with each step that I take up higher and higher and I never want to go back down. I want to receive new insights and revelations and I want my faith to be real every single day with every single view, a 360 atop. Ironically, the hardest hills to climb in my life are often level. The things that sap me of my strength and my will are the steps that go forward, 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 not necessarily up or down. But I guess I'm realizing that without the hills, there's no reason for the valleys. And likewise, without the valleys, there's no reason for the hills. One feeds into the next on this terrain of life. And if we're not taking whatever revelations or insights we receive from the mountaintop down into the valley, what even is the point of them? What are we doing with our faith? What are we doing with our growth? Where can they be tried and tested and groomed, grown? Not just for our benefit, but for the benefit of those around us, those doing this life and walking this road with us. In his devotional, My Utmost for His Highest, Oswald Chambers talks about the mountain and the valley. Some of his devotional, The Place of Exaltation, reads as follows. We have all experienced times of exaltation on the mountain, and we have seen things from God's perspective and have wanted to stay there. But God will never allow us to stay there. The true test of our spiritual life is in exhibiting the power to descend from the mountain. 
If we only have the power to go up, something is wrong. It is a wonderful thing to be on the mountain with God, but a person only gets there so that he may later go down. We are not made for the mountains, for sunrises, or for the other beautiful attractions in life. Those are simply intended to be moments of inspiration. We are made for the valley and the ordinary things of life. And that is where we have to prove our stamina and strength. Yet our spiritual selfishness always wants repeated moments on the mountain. We feel that we could talk and live like perfect angels if we could only stay on the mountaintop. Those times of exaltation are exceptional and they have their meaning in our life with God. But we must beware to prevent our spiritual selfishness from wanting to make them the only time. And so, fellow sparrows, whether you're soaring high above proverbial mountains or descending into deeper, longer, harder chasms, know that you are seen and you are known the entire span of this journey by the God of hills and valleys. And you're being shaped into something unique, something purposed, something beautiful with every step. Each inhale on the incline each exhale down, and breath after breath in this ever-extending onward. Your character before God and your character amongst others, chiseled and rounded as you fix your gaze Christward. Always remember that view from up high, the chill of that air, the vibrancy of the horizon, when our faith and mission have never felt more bold or clear. But let us not stay there removed from our faith and this mission at hand. We have a journey before us, you and I both. And may we learn to take the mountain with us into the valley below. And may we in turn take the seasons of this valley up every climb. Uh, so talking about mountains and valleys reminded me of the lyrics from this Cademan's Call song back from 2000, Ooh. a little blast from the past. And I've always found it so encouraging um, because the, the, the chorus goes like this, down in the valley, dying of thirst. When I'm down in the valley, it seems that I'm at my worst. My consolation is that you baptized this earth well, down in the valley, valleys fill first. Hmm. And I've always loved the image of when when God sends his his grace like rain, um, the valley is where it where it winds up, right? Like God has um God has extra care and attention and compassion and um and love and affection for for the people who are in the valleys. Um and so I so you guys and, and whoever else is listening, uh, when you have those times in the valleys, um, I hope that you remember, um, are able to remember that, uh, that God has, um, has an extra, extra heart for you there. That is beautiful. Thank you, Ryan. Shout out to Cademan's call. What a pull that was. Yeah. Nice, and also, done. I hope I didn't step on your benediction toes with that, Tom. No, step on those toes. You'll just have toes. to do better than me. <laughs> step on those toes. Can I rewind and pull my benediction from Cademan's call? That would have been amazing. <laughs> 
Um, it was awesome hearing some of y'all's journeys. I know we just shared very small snapshots. I guess a snapshot is small by definition. We shared snapshots of our spiritual lives here today. Um, but it's cool. It's cool to, to piece them together in the collage of this episode and to tie it back to our retreat, which, um, yeah, it was just fun to reminisce and to live in the past, even though that's not something Ryan does. <laughs> so we had to drag him into the rear view mirror for a little bit. And now we're back, back on the road again. Um, y'all, we'd love to hear from you, whether you were at the retreat or not. We'd love to hear your mountains and valley stories um, on our blog. So check out our podcast episode page at yourotherbrothers.com slash podcast. Go to episode 84's post and share some mountaintop valley stories with you. What's been helpful? Um, if you have any advice, if you have any lived experience that you want to pass along, um, we'd love to just hear, yeah, what kind of stories resonate with you when you talk about spiritual highs, spiritual lows, um, what those have looked like and how you have made sense of them as we plod forward through this life. We love hearing from you guys. So um, you can leave a comment on the blog or if you feel so inclined, call the Yob line. 706-389-8009. We would love to play a clip if you want to share your story that way as well. Feel free. And a big shout out to Trekking Poles who truly did make sense of our souls this episode. I don't know about you guys, but my life, my spiritual journey feels more charted than it's ever been. And I know, I now know where I'm going. I didn't know before, but now I know. I always wait for someone to like jump on that train with me. And then I just, I see six eyes looking back at me. So I don't know. We'll just uh, keep on going. I don't know if you remember from, uh, from, I think it was the parent trap with Lindsay Lohan. Mm. The, uh, Another the, nice The pull. mean stepmother, they, they trick her into smacking some sticks together to try to scare bears <laughs> yes. away. And I, I was just thinking that um, really, really <laughs> trekking poles are the great uh, professional way to do that. They're reusable and lighter than sticks. Thank you. Mm. And uh, if you if you invest in a good pair of trekking poles, they will always be available for you to smack together and scare the bears away. <laughs> Thank what you, a trekking visual. poles. My goodness, Cademan's call, Parent Trap. You were just talk about nostalgia. You are bringing <laughs> I know, it way I, back. I, maybe I'm wrong about nostalgia. <laughs> Someone's <laughs> more nostalgic than they put on. <laughs> yes thank you Trekkie Poles and thank you Ryan for supporting our sponsor y'all this was fun I'm so glad the Yobcast is back it is fun to be back in the mix um, look forward to doing this again very soon stay tuned you guys for the Yob Convo cast coming back for its brave triumphant return next week um, it'll be fun to make the rounds once again and start to meet some people maybe for the very first time we shall see um, but for now, this is it. This is goodbye. For all your other brothers, my name is Tom. This is Ryan. This is Ben. And I'm Aaron. Reminding you that you are not alone. Even the sparrow finds a home. Love you guys. See you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to Your Other Brothers Podcast. Our show is edited and produced by Thomas Mark Zuniga. If you enjoy our show, consider rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Your Other Bros. We'd love to hear your story. Comment on this or any of our episodes at yourotherbrothers.com slash podcast or share a story to play back on our show by calling us at 706-389-8009. 
can also email us at podcast at yourotherbrothers.com or write to us at Your Other Brothers, P.O. Box 843, Asheville, North Carolina, 28802. Finally, if you'd like to further support our storytelling, community-building efforts, consider becoming a Yabber. Yabbers pledge monthly on Patreon and receive perks like bonus podcast content, access to a secret Facebook group, regular group calls with fellow patrons and authors, and more. Visit patreon.com slash yourotherbros for more information. Until we journey next time, we're glad you're with us.